For the first two episodes of Isle Sides here, we really got caught up in election fever, and we, we couldn't help but do our best to kind of process the, the unexpected result of this monumental presidential election. But uh, covering elections, covering the horse race, covering political momentum of that kind was never the intent of, of this podcast. Uh, our goal was always to, to, to do something a little bit more objective, a little bit more, something a little bit more removed, to look at issues from a more empathetic perspective, and to take a step back and see things from both sides, and try to take a fresh perspective on some of these issues that we see debated ad nauseum. Uh, and so with this episode number three of Isle Sides, what we're hoping to do is take a look at Obamacare. Obamacare, which, as unpredictable as, as Trump has proven to be, the most consistent promise from everyone on the right has been that if they take power, which they have, that they would repeal Obamacare. And so we, what we want to do today is to take a closer look at what exactly that means, what that law actually does, why it has been demonized on the right to the point of people comparing it to tyranny and slavery. Uh, ben Carson once said that it was the worst thing to happen to America since slavery, which is harsh criticism. And so we're going to try to figure out where, where that comes from, why that, what, what the hatred of that law stems from, and also how we got to Obamacare, what some of the history was, the almost 30 years of healthcare debate that, that culminated in Obamacare going back to Hillary Care, of all things. Um, and for us, it all really comes down to a philosophical debate about what healthcare is. Is healthcare just something, something economic that you purchase? Is something that you have the option to buy? Something that should be treated like any other good or service that you buy? And, and when we talk about healthcare, we should just be talking about economic equality and and you know efficiency and and the price of it and 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 that kind of a that kind of a conversation which. Uh, we, which kind of ends, pushes you towards the right of the spectrum, or, or are we talking about something more, more moral, something along the lines of a Bernie Sanders or or a, a more progressive perspective, which is that healthcare, like food and shelter, and the you know constitutional guaranteed freedoms, is a human right. That the ability to to have access to some healthcare is a human right, uh, and that that you know to preserve to have a country that respects human dignity. Healthcare must be guaranteed, and where where you tend to fall on that philosophical spectrum, I think is the biggest the biggest influencer on where you end up in the in the debate about Obamacare and the larger debate about what kind of a healthcare system we have. So we want to start there and and, and really break this issue down. So let me welcome in Nick Cardona. Thank you, Alex. And and we'll get started here, and we'll start from there. We'll get to the we'll get to the specifics of the law. We'll get to the nitty gritty of of the debate and what the Republicans are planning to do now. But let's just first talk about what healthcare means. And, well, the, and, the, yeah. the one thing that the one thing that's interesting about the the whole Obamacare uh, debate is that that really was the center of this election. And I think before we get into that nitty gritty of what it what healthcare is and what that definition means, that the debate over healthcare and especially Obamacare that was the debate that was the entire election I mean it, obviously it, it was the most important aspect I think of the election I mean you can you can argue immigration as well but I think Obamacare with the whole repeal and replace notion that the Republicans have been mm-hmm. pushing for years for eight years that Obama has been in office right. that you know it was a centerpiece of this campaign and I think that 
again, we go back to what exactly healthcare is. I don't know if it was the, these, the like focal point of the entire election, but I will say that it is, on both sides, considered Obama's signature achievement, whether that is something that you... Whether, whether it's the worst thing that he did or whether it's the best thing that he did, there is nothing that really sums up his domestic achievements or his domestic, you know, more than Obamacare. And so when you talk about repealing Obamacare, I think it's the most pointed, in, in Republicans' eyes, the most pointed repudiation of his presidency is to take away Obamacare. So I think like other factors like immigration, anxiety, and the kind of specific, very specific, regionally specific manufacturing sector ang- economic anxiety right. of the Rust Belt. I, you know, I think some of those are also in the mix when you talk about the biggest factors affecting the election. Policy-wise? Yeah, when yeah. you talk about it, I, I think, think you're right. I, th- I, th- I don't think that there any actual tangible policy decision got brought up more than repealing Obamacare. Right. It was one thing That's, that yeah. everyone in the Republican primary debates could all agree on it was just a battle of who was going to repeal obamacare the hardest the fastest the fastest the strongest. <laughs> would it be five seconds after you were sworn in <laughs> would it be the day after would you have re- would you have repealed it before your inauguration ball you know that was so or during your inauguration ball i mean for better or worse it was i mean just intrinsically tied to obama as a president and and uh, but what I think I, I think that's a good point to bring up and a good kind of place to start for that because I think that because it was so tied to Obama who is such a uh, I don't want to say divisive because I think that plays into things I think are myths about his causing division but you know a polarizing figure in American history to say yeah. the least and I think because this law I mean very very literally with the name of it I mean. Uh, I think mo- I think most people know. I mean, it's I mean, it's, it's called the Affordable Care Act, yeah. and uh, I and I I wonder what percentage of people out there even know that. Yeah. But uh, but the nickname that you know Republicans made up as an insult, and dem- and the, the Democrats really kind of started to run with it, almost as a we're going to own this, so you can't use it against this kind of tactic. I mean, it was even his name is is how we refer to the bill. But I think that that kind of intense linking of him to it kind of obscures elements of the debate because it, it doesn't because then it becomes not about how to make the best healthcare system. It becomes this is a democratic thing. This is a this is a left agenda, leftist agenda, bill and policy. And you know you're either with you're with or you're either with us or you're with him. And I think in, in some ways that's clouded what the bill even is. And what the problems with it are, right? And and so I think that's an important point to bring up. In that you know, that's what we're trying to kind of get past today. Is like, all right, let's peel the layers back. Right. This isn't just about fuck Obama. There's a lot of re- there's a lot of real world consequences, and and this is a debate that that predated Obama's even being in the Senate. I mean, as far as how you're going to fix the healthcare system and some of the like the right. individual mandate and, the, and some of the major tenets of this bill were not ideas that Obama came in and like like Moses yeah. off a mountain and was like. I've got these crazy ideas. And like, yeah. people are like, oh, I've never heard of those before. Right. Pretty much everything in that bill comes from debates that were that go back to at least the early 90s. Healthcare reform is not a new idea. It's been, I mean, that, that's, you know, you talk about even, you know, Hillary and Bernie in the primary brought that up, is that it's not a new idea. Obama brought it up back in, when he was running. It's like healthcare reform can be achievable because it's not a new idea. Yeah. Presidents have tried it. Senators have tried it. 
bipartisan senators have tried, governors have have tried it in their in their respective states. So it's not a it's not a just a an Obama idea. It was not even a Hillary idea. It was a it was just a a, a political reality that healthcare reform is one of those major tenets. It's immigration, healthcare reform, foreign policy. That's part of the job, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what people didn't really realize that uh, because of because of the the fact that Obama was such a like you said a polarizing figure. And it just created this whole mess of this is Obama's idea. No one else had this idea before him. Yeah. And even Hillary had to point out, like, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> yeah, It was Hillary Care before it was Obamacare. So I think that's, that's just an interesting Well, in, in a lot of ways, and we'll get into this later, what, what Obamacare was was the Republicans' answer to Hillary Care, which, which really adds a level of, of irony and kind of cognitive dissonance about this whole debate. A, that, little, bit of, a little bit of a hypocrisy. In that sense, absolutely. Yeah, so, almost on both sides. But, oh yeah. So yeah, because I mean, sometimes it's held up as this progressive, major accomplishment when it really it's it's insurance reform and, and is a comp- major compromise to what true progressives would have liked to have seen happen. Right. I mean, to not at least have a government option, those sorts of things. So we'll get into that later. But one question I want to start things off at because like you said, we want to funnel down from a more kind of philosophical standpoint. Is let me just ask you like. Do you see healthcare as a as a human right? Um, I do. I, I, I inherently do because I, I think when you look at other countries around the world that have that have taken measures to to say that it is, uh, it is a right. Um, I, I think you know when you talk about a lot of these politicians that go around saying that you know that they, they cite faith, they cite their religion as a basis for for their beliefs and how you know take care of everybody. Uh, you know, be you know, be a good neighbor and, and and just you know make sure everything is is all the people are taken care of, right? Don't discriminate. And people cite those that faith driven ideology all the time, and I think people lose that. And and I think you have to realize that it is. I truly believe. Now you can make an argument against it that it, you don't think it's a right. I've heard arguments that I hate this argument, but I'll give you I'll give you a little example that I've heard this argument numerous times. Was that oh, if you're smoking and you get cancer. Then oh you don't deserve to have healthcare because it's your own fault you know what I mean and that's and that's an argument that people make but I listen it's a right to have healthcare no matter what that decision that you make is it's a right I believe so you can make an argument against it fine but you're not gonna my personal belief I believe it is a right uh, for for everybody to have healthcare um, no matter who you are no matter what conditions you had before pre-existing conditions I mean that's that's just my personal opinion I don't know how you feel about that well I mean you definitely. You definitely have people that that of their own accord ruin their health, and and, and I can understand the kind of resentment of you know why 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 do I need to have, like you know lend a helping hand via tax money or any or otherwise to look after this person that can't even look after themselves, but we also know that there's so many people that confront health challenges that are unforeseeable. And that could not have been prevented with any sort of rational. Just there's no rational. You know, just there's there's no way to foresee. Like you know, we, we 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 everyone must know somebody who has had some out of left field health tragedy of some scale, and you know I don't I I think that crosses class class lines, economic lines, and everybody should be able to have a right to have a fighting chance to to beat that. You know, it just seems it just seems uh like you said it's, it just seems you know, if you want to make it about christian thing or a religious thing or a moral thing it just seems not right to just let people you know frankly suffer and die unnecessarily because of petty economics that i think in that context when you're talking about life and death of people you know it gets to be petty but 
with that, I'll say, you know, the best surgeon in the world can only do so many surgeries and needs to, you know, support his family and needs to be paid. And, you know, it's it's not practical to be everybody deserves to get surgery from this this top-notch surgeon, right? That's not really, that's not possible. So, I mean, we can concede that it isn't, it isn't even if it, you throw away the moral side, it's not feasible for everyone to have the best health care, right? right? So what do you see as what people have a right to? I mean, I, I think, you know, I think people have the right to receive some sort of assistance when it comes to their health. I, I think, well, I, I want to bring up what our, our president-elect said uh, on the campaign trail. Uh, there will be a certain number of people who will be on the street dying. And as a Republican, I don't want that to happen. Um, and this was from a, a New York Times op-ed that cited uh, President-elect Trump uh, and basically saying that, you know, take the, take the old saying and, and first do no harm, mm-hmm. right? So that was kind of an argument about repealing Obamacare and, and that type of thing. So I think in that sense, if, if there is a notion where you don't, you don't want to see people on the street dying, you don't want to see people on the street getting sick, Obviously, I think Mr. Trump was talking about you know uh, homeless people, especially that that certain that certain aspect of the, of the population. But I think it's I think you have a certain right not to just wither away and die just mm-hmm. because of your health conditions. And I think that's that's inherently my view about it uh, about healthcare is that you, you know nobody deserves to just wither away. And and I think that that's kind of like a that's part of a part of the cornerstone of healthcare. Yeah, I think what we talk about when we talk about a lot of term, a lot of American debates, American policy debates, is this idea of liberty and this idea of opportunity and and you know the, all of the, these very cliche ideals that we hold up as far as what we expect in American American society and the American dream and then this this chance to make a better life for yourself and leave a better life for your kids and you know the, the your kind of your your free market and your and your your sense of liberty. I don't think work if if you don't have the ability to go see a doctor when you're sick, if you don't have the ability to get prescriptions at a reasonable cost, if you don't have you know the ability to as a family overcome some sort of tragedy, health related, medical related tragedy. I mean, those become economic burdens that so many families can't bear. And then you're you're asking these people to have to have worked harder and to have more money and to, you know, well they could have done this and this and this if they and, if, and they they could they could have they could have chosen to to have better health care and they chose not to and that's their choice. But I mean so much of these things are not a choice. People you know, people that don't have a lot of money you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of debate when we were talking when Obamacare was happening about, you know, you're making people buy insurance, the whole individual mandate debate this idea that people should be have the opportunity you know people should not be forced to buy anything that that's that's un-american you know i can i can understand that point of view but the the fact is i think that the large amount of people that don't have health insurance i uh, close to most if not all are not not buying health insurance because uh, it's 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 like a second car it's a luxury i don't need it's just that you know i'm not sick today and i only have x amount of money to make rent to put food on the table for my kids, to you know, the, the pay my mortgage, whatever. I'm not sick today, and that is something I can. That is a cost I can postpone. Right. But like, they might be sick tomorrow, and it, right. and and then it's and then it's too late. 
and that's the kind of cold reality of this free market thinking is that like you know let people make choices but people don't make choices that's not like a choice based on what you want it's it's a choice based on necessity and lack of resources and i think that i think you do have a moral question there if it's okay to be leaving people to decide if having health care for them and their families is to 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 be posing it to them like this this additional bill on already tight budgets and families struggling to get by and to force them to make this cost-benefit analysis about future medical worries. You know, of course, so many of these people are going to opt out of buying health care, but that doesn't mean they don't want it. doesn't mean their lives wouldn't be better for it. Right. And, and I, I think you get to the point where it's where health where healthcare in and of itself, if you are, you know, a, a stay in a hospital is sometimes more expensive than buying a car or... Or even putting a down payment on a house, it, it, you know, it, it's more expensive to to stay in a hospital for a couple of nights when you urgently need it, where you can't literally be out without treatment. Right. And I think that's that's another problem that we're facing is that the cost of it, the cost of just paying a, a visit to the the emergency room. If you're if if I collapse and I have to go to the emergency room, it's going to cost me if I didn't have health, if I didn't yeah. have insurance. And since yeah. I'm I'm lucky enough to have a company that that does provide health insurance then i'm okay mm-hmm. but a lot of companies don't provide that and that's and that's the risk that people take when they don't have insurance and the costs healthcare costs have skyrocketed as both sides of the aisle have have pointed out rightly right and income has not skyrocketed amongst the middle class as po- people on both sides have both have rightly pointed out right. as people on the right that voted out of economic angst in this election that was a selling point of trump was that like you know things aren't getting better for the middle class well if things aren't getting better for the middle class then how are they supposed to compete with these rising healthcare costs i mean right. so it's not really fair to admit that okay these people are not getting more money to also admit healthcare costs are skyrocketing and then act like ah, if people want a healthcare they should have bought it they can't afford it yeah and so and that's so that what it comes down to is making it affordable, making it not to be this choice of treating it like some sort of luxury. Um, although I can see I can see this 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 kind of viewpoint that like you know all right you can't control your health. We also can't control what you're born into. It doesn't mean doesn't mean you're you're you have a right to a a big house. It doesn't mean you have a right to best private school. Right. right. Doesn't mean you have the right. So. You know, there's a lot of things that people are born disadvantaged, and we don't decide. You know, but they have a right to this. So, is health different in your mind? No, because I, I think you know, honestly, we talk about that a lot with like you know, you're born into a certain environment. Uh, you know, whether it comes to any issue, it doesn't have to be just healthcare. It could be education. Uh, if you're born into an environment where you're inherently at a disadvantage, how can how can one expect you to just like be? At that level where you're just, oh yeah, just buy healthcare, it's fine. But no, I was born into a situation where I can't do that. Or or I'm just, I'm stuck in a place where I can't do that because nothing is going right for me. The, the, you know, there's no new job. There's no more, there's no, you know, there's no uh, pay increase. There's no minimum wage increase. I can't afford it. So I think that's, again, in my mind, it's, it, it, you know, you have to account for, and I think, I think the Republicans do not do this. They don't account for what you're born into. But like, all right, so we have like, you know, our social safety net, as we call it, our welfare and our unemployment and those kinds of benefits. And they're not big. You know, there's this, there's always these kind of like, like these, these kind of 
hit pieces from conservative news organizations. I feel like they're hit pieces where it's, you know, they show, they show like, you know, one surfer dude in California, like living off unemployment or something. And they act like that's the majority of, of people benefiting from kind of social programs. But the, the reality is like, there might be people that are just living off of that. A large percentage of that is because they're, they're not really finding viable economic opportunities in their daily lives. But even if you grant some percentage of mooching, they're not living high. These people are not doing better than somebody with a decent job. It's right. not like, oh, they're getting exactly what I have for free from the government. That's crazy. I mean, that's another debate. But the point is, that's small, and Republicans want it smaller. I'm not here to disagree with that, but is health something different? Is it, you know, For me, people can endure certain levels of economic struggle, but like you get sick and die. That's that. It's the end of that story. And so for me... That's a different situation than arguing about what how much unemployment benefits there should be, you know. Because I think a lot of people lock that in the same thing, you know. Why is somebody that when you talk about universal healthcare, especially when you talk about that as a as an option, um, I think people think very similar very similarly to how they feel about public education and they feel or how they feel about those social safety net programs where they go, you know, I've worked hard for what I have. Why should I? pay some of my hard money her money into a system to benefit other people who who haven't although i don't i don't know if i believe i don't know if i buy that as the reason those people haven't well don't. The, the other <laughs> thing is is that is the, the argument that that i that you just presented uh, you know it's like people are saying like if you can't afford like so, say somebody gets sick right they they can't go to work so you're telling them to oh, work harder so you can you can afford this health insurance but if you get sick and you're not insured you can't go to work to make money to pay for insurance it doesn't make it just doesn't add up right and and i think that's the problem with the with the right argument the 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 right of center argument where you know you should be working harder to achieve and and to and to buy into a a system that is that is that is better for you that you can choose your own doctor that's patient-centered and all that stuff but if you can't go to work and get that paycheck you can't buy that insurance at all if you can't afford your, I mean, we all we always talk about our children, and it's like these are people that can't afford the, you know, prescription if their kid gets strep throat. How are you supposed to cope with that? Right, and that brings up a whole other debate about, you know, are, are you for you know the entire life, right? A lot of those the, the pro the pro life right. people, right? And Chris Christie actually, who obviously he has a lot of problems in and of itself, but he did bring up this point during the primaries where. You know, I'm for the I'm for the life for its entire life, right? So I'm not just pro life. You know what I mean? And like that's and that's what he was talking about. He was talking about taking care of people that are that might have been addicted to drugs or that might have been you know fallen into hard times with health with health right. uh, problems. So I think that's you know that's the only time that you're going to hear me praise Chris Christie. But he was onto something in that sense that you know be for the life throughout the entire life. I don't know how Republicans specifically, your your religious specifically Christian centric republicans with all of the kind of biblical teachings of taking care of the sick and the poor can have also at the same token hold such a every man for themselves you get what you get at a life kind of liberty centric political philosophy i mean i understand the idea of liberty and i support the general concept of it but i think any i think any idea taken to its extreme is is a problem and i i think that's also true of any, of any progressive uh, you know a lot of progressive ideas but 
but this idea that you know people afford what they can afford and if they get sick and they die that's life i mean there, there's a there's a certain kind of darwinian fairness to that or or but like is that what we want to be is that the kind of society you want to be i mean we have a society right now or if you, you know whether you have insurance or not you show up with some sort of emergency situation at the hospital you're going to get treatment and i think if you if you really if you really have this purest if you're not rich you just i mean it's just another thing you can't buy good health care is just another thing you can't buy and that's the free market at work if you really want to adopt that i think that you can't really unless you're unless you're willing to say when somebody shows up at the hospital heart and cardiac arrest or something they don't have health care too bad they die if you don't think that's fine then like i i think that or if you think that's fine yeah i feel like you have to think that the, i think i feel like you have to be okay with that kind of a situation right yeah. to take this totally hands off approach about health care yeah yeah. I don't. I don't see how you can be merciful in that way. But then, like, it, I think that's just short-sighted to act like to act like a lack of healthcare reform isn't going to lead to those kinds of situations where people are just have no options yeah. and and are left to wither away and die. Um, you know, it's 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 when you when you when you turn that uh, predicament into a more immediate situation, it's much harder to go every man for themselves. Right and. I think that's a question people should ask themselves. It's a lot easier and abstract to think of insurance as this product that you buy or this service that you buy. And people either buy it or they don't. Just like you can buy house insurance if you're particularly worried about your house, but you don't have to buy right. you know, insurance for a hurricane or something. You can roll the dice. But that's, a, that's, that's insurance on a, on, a, on a piece of property. That's insurance on siding and wood and <laughs> i mean even cars you know, it's, it's insurance on, right. your, on your it's, vehicle it's an, it's it's and that's mandated by the way right so right. you know we, we're okay with that but and you know a large part of the reason why we're okay with that is because you need the insurance to pay if you harm someone else right and exactly that is in play in healthcare. i mean that ends up as a taxpayer burden when people show up uninsured at the hospital with emergency situations and again, unless we want to be a society where we think the hospital should be turning those kinds of people away, there are people that think that. And frankly, if you are if you are consistent across the board, yeah, I might argue with you morally about that. But I can take that. What I can't take is this like picking and choosing when when you think you need to be moral and when you think you need to take care of people and when yeah. you don't. And I think it's also, I mean, you know, and, and I'm gonna you know play that this this card. It is. When you look at situations of, of different communities, of minority communities, and of predominantly white suburban communities, there is that level of picking and choosing. It's like it's the same, you know, it, it's the same thing with like the Flint crisis, mm -hmm. the Flint water crisis. Like, oh, that's like an oversight, right? It's an oversight yeah. because it's a predominantly minority community. Yeah. But if it happened in a predominantly white community, you're talking about a completely different reaction. Right. And I think that's again the picking and choosing of of who we're going to save today. Mm -hmm. And who we're going to take care of today, and I think that's hypocrisy. Now it's not just. Now I, I don't want to come down hard on on all Republicans because I don't I, I don't think all Republicans feel this way. I feel like there are some Republicans that are that are straightforward, like they want free market, they mm -hmm. want they want the government out of your pockets, right? But there are an, a sector of that Republican Party and that Republican base that are are just picking and choosing who to save, and I think that's that's an important point to bring up uh, that you did. The other element of it is, you I mean you have this you have this idea, all right? So. Even if you grant that, all right, people believe you should have health care, then they don't want the government involved, which you were just kind of touching on a little yeah. bit. So, 
so then it becomes about making it affordable. All right, but you, so you have this free market in place where insurance companies have thrived, and I don't really understand how you make it affordable without a little bit of government intervention. You know, the the free market did the free market got us here, so I don't really understand this idea that the free market is going to, to get R us word. out. The regulation, right? Yeah, and and regulation. What, which is what Obamacare is. I mean, there is so much. There is so much. Whether you like it or you don't, it's insurance regulation. At the end of the day, it isn't. There is no government option. There is no government health care. It's government exchanges. I mean, the government has crafted these marketplaces mm-hmm. of private insurance companies, and then made some rules about how those insurance companies cover people. But I mean, if you're not for that, then and then I think that you're in this area we're talking about where you're just kind of like everybody for themselves. Health insurance is a product of the economy, and if you can buy it, you can buy it, and if you and if you can't, you can't. For me, that morally doesn't fly. And if you and if it morally does fly for you, I can't really. I can disagree with that, but I don't really have an argument for why that's wrong. I mean, in an American society where it's supposed to be about equality, and in a and if you subscribe to any sort of religious ideology, any sort of mainstream religious ideology, it's about taking care of this, taking care of the poor and the sick and the needy. You know, if 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 that is the building blocks of your worldview, I don't understand how you can feel that detached from the whole healthcare debate. Right. But you know, theoretically, if you philosoph, if you did think that way, I can't really disagree with it. I mean, it's not it's not it's not wrong logically to adopt this kind of like I said, like Darwinian view of things and and i don't i don't think it's necessarily counter to american ideals to just think of it you know it's all just kind of being able to do what we want and we can buy this or not but you know i necessarily don't agree with you but all right so but in the other camp is all right we do we do, we do want health care we just don't want the government involved yeah and what i've never understood about that is when we've talked about this many times is why there's such a dis- disgust with government being involved, but people that feel that way generally don't have the same anger towards insurance companies. And for me, the most, the biggest moral outrage is that this, there's this middleman involved that is not the government, but insurance companies. You go to yeah. your doctor and people were, there was all this, you know, it became this kind of hyperbolic, inaccurate death, pe- death panel talk, but... People are all worried about the government coming between you and your doctor, but currently there is nobody in America that, unless you're super, super rich, I guess, and just can afford treatment out of pocket no matter what it is. That's very few of us. Hmm. Um, you're, you're, uh, you're showing up at your doctor, and before anything happens, there's a middleman of an insurance company. And an insurance company, I mean, the way it works, not to talk down to anybody, is, I mean, you're, you're paying monthly for this, for this service, where they're hoping that you don't get sick or that not too many problems happen and you just keep paying and you keep paying and you keep paying and if something happens, well, then they pay out. Right. And they make money because they're usually paying out a lot less than they're taking in from all those, you know, all the monthly payments you make. Right. And so the it's, it's for profit. It's a for profit business and the incentive for more profit is to pay out less. So there is no insurance company that is operating from this benevolent standpoint of they're just trying to help people. They're, I mean, when you when you talk about a lot of the things that insurance companies addressed, it was, you know, not covering people with the Obamacare addressed rather. It was not covering people with pre-existing conditions, meaning not only not like refusing to cover people who actually might get sick and force us to pay out, which is kind of discriminatory because again, a lot of those pre-existing conditions are not things people could have controlled right. and exactly. and they should have a right to. If, if the system is you have to buy insurance. 
they should be able to buy into that system. Yeah. I mean, there shouldn't be, the healthcare system should not be inaccessible to a type of person. And that effectively is what that was. Yeah. So I think that kind of in, in that way is there, you know, doesn't, I don't think there's a way you can be like, oh, if you wanted it, you should have gotten it. Well, these are groups of people that insurance companies were saying, well, if you want it, it's going to be 10 times what the normal person pays because you happen to be born with diabetes. Right. Which and is I, bullshit. And I, and I don't think, I, I think it's, it's just, it's a level of hypocrisy. If you don't see, if you see a shady aspect of the government being that middleman and you don't see the shady aspect of an insurance company being that middleman, that is, that is hypocrisy at like, that is, that is the basic definition of hypocrisy where well, you, you could, there's a, there's a shady history when it comes to insurance companies. And, and if you really believe that there's a shady history when it comes to the government being involved in whatever in your daily lives, then you should see both of those, both of those shady uh, circumstances. I, I, and you know, even if you don't think it's shady coming from the government, there's a there's totally legitimate arguments that government things can often be too much red tape, too much inefficiency. Things operate too slowly. Things uh, don't operate cost effectively. And I can understand those concerns. Totally legitimate. I think that, honestly, you're being naive on the left if you don't see how there are problems that can occur when government is a little bit too hands-on. But, even, again, it's about consistency for me. Say what you will about the government and inefficiency, but it's at least not profit-centric. It's at least its motive yeah. is not to make the most money and not and and not help people. I mean, it, you can disagree with how the government works and how effective it is at helping people, but you know, you could argue ba- that it's barring conspiracy kind of theories, the goal is to to service the right. the public and. It's not operating to try to draw a profit. Yeah, I mean, you can argue that it's politically motivated. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can make that argument, but profit motivated? I I, I don't think so. And and, and when, when the middleman is currently an insurance company that makes the most money when it pays for the least amount of coverage. Yeah. And it's a company that they're all companies that have boards to report to, lobbyists, and you know that to me is something that we should absolutely be concerned about. And so to me, it's not about whether. It shouldn't be about picking between government or picking between insurance companies and government's terrible and get government as far away. You need both. Right. You need, I mean, unless you're going to go the universal health care route, which, you know, I think that we both kind of lean towards that personally, but, you know, right. that is a little bit politically untenable. So you have your, econ- you have the insurance companies, which make, you know, the, insur- the insurance companies provide an economic framework to allow a lot of people, if not everybody, to, to buy insurance. But, you know... The left hand needs the right hand. You need some sort of regulating body to make sure that there's not discrimination, that there's some level of equality of opportunity within that coverage, that you know these companies aren't, frankly, exploiting their customers and, and not finding reasons to not pay out when, when they should be or discriminating against pre-existing conditions or, you know, it's, it's, in my head, it's, it's not either or it's it's a symbiotic relationship that that is kind of what the purpose of government is in every sector and to me that's necessary to me that's logical that doesn't that's not crazy to me so where so where does um you know obviously we center back at this uh, you know obamacare what where does where does obamacare fall in that sense the bill itself the affordable care act the, the affordable Care and Patient Protection Act, as it's known as. Well, I'll go through what what it really is in a second, because but what it is, like I said, is 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 essentially insurance reform. I mean, it, it is performing that function that I just said. It, it is it is putting 
more oversight into how insurance companies operate. But it's not doing anything. The only way you actually take all the entire middleman out between you and your precious doctor <laughs> is if you go the whole universal healthcare route where the government's just paying and you don't have to worry about anything because you just go in there and it's going to get paid. And, 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 and frankly, that actually might affect certain things because there might be some sort of limitations about how you go about getting care in that system. So, okay. But the other thing is to have no insurance companies and people just pay for what they can afford, which would be a disaster right now unless there was some, again, some serious government intervention about healthcare costs and the cost of medicine and the cost of, of hospital visits and things like that, which... Uh, they, I mean, the the Congress has sh- have shown more reluctance to go after healthcare costs than even healthcare reform, as far as the insurance, the system is involved. I mean, controlling pharmaceutical costs have been a pretty much a non-starter in Congress. So, but like, unless you do one of those two extremes, where you get rid of everything, or right. you have the, the government just blanket paying for everything, you got a middleman right now that you're negotiating with. And you can either have a non-regulated for-profit business being that middleman or one that with some regulation. Now, there's a lot of gray area in that about what that regulation should be. But like, if you're going to have that middleman that's an insurance company, to me, I want another eye on them. You know, right. And, and that, that's how I see it. I agree. Um, so I agree 100%. With that said, let's look at what Obamacare really is. Now that we've kind of laid out the, that philosophical groundwork and, and people can you know, decide if this sounds like tyranny or, <laughs> <laughs> or what. I, I, mean, I hate to laugh and, and reveal my bias here, but I just, to me, this is insurance reform and not some sort of tyrannical agenda. Agenda, yeah. So what it is, is I'm reading from, a, from an ABC News uh, a piece by Liz, Liz Neperant, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, that is literally titled, like, Obama explained like you're an idiot. And so I'm just going to read directly. Obamacare is a law enacted to ensure that all Americans have access to affordable health insurance. It does this by offering consumers discounts, known as tax credits, on government-sponsored health insurance plans, and by expanding the Medicaid assistance program to include more people who don't have it in their budgets to pay for health care. The ACA also changed some of the rules insurance companies have to follow. For example, in the past, if you had diabetes or some other pre-existing medical condition, you could be turned down for insurance or your cost for coverage would be astronomical. Now you can't be turned down for any reason, and the hope is that costs will be contained. You buy Obamacare plans on healthcare.gov if your state participates in the federal program, that's very important, or from your state's healthcare website if it isn't. Also, if you get insurance through an employer, you don't have to worry about any of this. Obamacare is mainly for people in small groups who pay for their own insurance. You only receive discounts to help offset health insurance costs if your household income is between one and four times the federal poverty level, which equates to about $90,000 a year. A number the government uses to determine the amount of money needed for food, shelter, and other basic needs. You can elect to apply these credits to your premiums to lower your monthly insurance bill or wait until the end of the year and declare them on your tax return. If you make too much money to qualify for credits, you can still buy a plan on the federal insurance marketplace or your state's exchange, but you won't get any discounts. However, you may still get a good deal, so it's worth checking. No, 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 I don't want to fuck with that. And so that is, that is, that, that is the buying insurance part of it. And there's also the way it regulates insurance companies, no pre-existing conditions, and you can stay on... Uh, parents' plans till 26. It mandates what insurance plans must cover. So you know it mandates that employers have to provide employers of a certain size or you know have to have to provide health care. And with one controversial part of that is 
under Obamacare, there is no insurance plan where birth control and and you know reproductive kind of healthcare costs are not covered, which is where the religious debate came in in, in a lot of places where you know you're potentially forcing these forcing in quotes these employers that might religiously be opposed to birth control to provide it for their female employees that that's where that debate came from and and the and the okay and then the biggest part of it is the individual mandate which so i you yeah. know talk about how people can how people can go about buying insurance plans based on this marketplace but you know you i forget what the date was but you had to at some point you had to have insurance or these tax penalties were going to be uh, fines if you will. yeah you know, yeah, the, fines, yeah it's not it was like 700 it was like 700 dollars or something like it was like less than i don't remember the one of the problems with it was less than what like probably healthcare would have ended up costing you for a year so it was kind of right like they kind of made it very easy for you to go fuck it i'll take the fine but still kind of like you know that fine was very controversial because you know whenever the government's forcing you to buy things that's going to go against conservative economic thinking and, and and rightly so i mean i think that's fair to question that but the problem was is if you don't have everyone buying in then it's going to be kind of economically untenable for these insurance companies to take on these higher risk patients right that, like people with pre-existing conditions because if they have to take on all the risky people that need health care, but all the healthy people can choose not to buy health care and they're not mandated to do so, then you have this very uneven, you know, uh, situation in the, in the market where, you know, they're, they're taking on all these risky people. They have to by law, but the healthy people that would be paying and not for, you know, not immediately bringing out these payouts from insurance companies, it's this imbalance that, so the, that the individual man, the individual mandate, I kind of do see some of the criticism there from this right. like p- pure conservative thinking, but the fact is, again, all right. What well, neither side has really budged from for a long time since the '90s. Universal health care has not really been on the table as far as government paying. Right. So you have these insurance companies. I don't think I don't know too many people that disagree that people with pre-existing conditions shouldn't be covered. Even Trump says he's going to keep that. Yeah, that's the one part that he actually likes about Obamacare. But that presents an economic problem when you're talking about preserving insurance companies, and that's right. where the individual mandate comes in. So it's not as complicated as this this liberty principle kind of thing. I get that, but there's economic implications of it that are important. So there was a I, I do want to bring up a uh, just what you just said about Trump wanting to keep that. Yeah. Um, that portion of the law. Um, there's an opinion uh, column in uh, the New York Times by the editorial board uh, in November of this year, so November 28th after the election. So it was called the GOP and healthcare chaos. And basically, they their argument was that to keep the pre-existing conditions portion of that law, like Trump wants to, he said in a 60, in, 60 Minutes interview, uh, you know, he really wants to keep that portion. It's hard to do that. Mm-hmm while repealing everything else right, right? It, and that's where that's where the complexities of this law and of healthcare reform mm-hmm. that's where it becomes complicated to just understand every single you know aspect of this law mm-hmm. and i think when you don't understand that law in it, in its entirety i think when you start to say oh we can repeal this part and keep this part i think you know, people are, who who study this stuff for a living are like, "What are you talking about?" That sounds good. It yeah. sounds it's a great talking point, but it's not feasible. 
And, and I think that's an important point. And, and an important you know, point. another important point springing off that is that we are not experts who have studied this law no, in depth. We're you not. Know, we've done, a, you know, we've, 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 we've read a lot about right. reporting on the law. And, you know, we know what we know from being informed citizens for, you know, since this law has been, you know, enacted, uh, you know, how long ago? Seven 20, years ago now? 2010, yeah. So yeah, six little, or seven years. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but, so, you know, I don't want, if, if there is some economist listening or some expert listening, I'm sure there are some things that we're going to, we'll said that are reductive and that would horrify them. But our point is not to give you, you know, be able to accurately break down every little line item of the bill. But we're right. trying to talk in broad strokes here about just conceptually healthcare. And, you know, so, you know, I've laid it out to the best of my expertise what the bill kind of does. Yeah. There's so many more nuances. It's 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 a famously complicated bill that we just don't have the time or expertise to get into. Right. But those are the broad stroke bullet points of the bill. That sound like tyranny to you? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the overarching question. That should be the title of this episode. Does this sound like tyranny to you? Yeah. I think that's yeah. that's the one thing that you know. I mean, you hear on the right that this is social. You know socialized medicine this is socialism this is a, dict- a dictatorship obama's the dictator all this stuff because of this healthcare law because that was the first major thing he did you know he won in 2008 and the and both houses of congress were, were democrats and you know with the help of nancy pelosi and, and and the democrats in the house that's how they passed it that's yeah. how it was the first thing and the passing of this bill led to the tea party and so on and so forth 2010 was the big republican wave and that and here we are right yeah. so i think you know it, that's the overarching question. If you think this sounds like tyranny, argue. Give me an argument well, why that I, is. I bring that up. I bring the tyranny thing up not to mock people that are against Obamacare because I think and we, we should get into some of the problems with the bill now. There are. Yeah, there are and, a number um, of problems. Because I don't think – I don't have a problem with people being against Obamacare. But if you are coming from the standpoint that you think it's like nefarious and evil, I mean that's pretty extreme. There's nothing in here that isn't pretty like – run-of-the-mill economic regulation and you can think these are misplaced regulations but like i think it's kind of i don't really see the evidence that this comes from some sort of like malintentioned place well, like like, like trying like i mean I just, I just don't get that kind of hysteria about it and i think that when you get hysterical like that when anybody gets that hysterical about any issue on either side with the exception of like you know civil rights where i think there's kind of more I, th- I think legitimate room for emotional response there. Right, right, right. But when you're talking about healthcare, which is an economic, the pro- a problem of economics, even though I do think there's, you know, there's the moral component that we discussed. But when you're talking about an economic problem, I think when you get to that level, you know, Republicans are there have been so many disgusted Republicans about Trump, the, like the Hitler comparisons and those kinds of things, and. You know, I'm, I'm a person who definitely believes there's just so much more cause for those kinds of comparisons with him than Obama. But but there the, but there is a truth to that when you when you take the comparison to that extreme, you kind of suppress the debate. Right. And so I think it was important for us to begin this episode by talking about the kind of philosophical debate divorced from the laws, because like if you don't think that there's a problem that millions and millions of people have no like legitimate access to health care well then it's hard to have any conversation at all but if you think that's a problem then we kind of have to talk about how you solve it and right. so to to act like what is from everything that i can see 
pretty modest in you know and sure there's economic consequences it's not you know there there's, there's an economic burden on a lot of employers from Obamacare and it's legitimate to, to want to, to want to ease that or to want to reform that but to act like the bill is the, this, this bill is the death of America well, it's kind of crazy well just with any any policy just give me an argument if, if you can if you can argue it without calling it tyranny or dictatorship give me an yeah. argument and we'll have that discussion I think that's why that's where the argument gets lost on both sides you start yeah. calling somebody deplorable you're shutting out that person completely you're not you're not giving them no. a chance if you have an argument why this healthcare law is flawed and why you believe that healthcare might not be a right give me that argument and we'll have a discussion and that's fine but if you jump right to the fact that Obama is a dictator and a, and a tyrannical leader that is going to take away your guns and implement socialized medicine, mm. then give me that. You know, it's just it, there's no debating you yeah. at all. Um, so what are the problems? There's a lot. Of, there are a lot of problems. But you know, I mean, the Republicans can can go on and on about how there are problems, and they have an argument to make. Um, I think what they need to do, though, I think they need to go beyond the the ten word answers or the talking points that that will hit on Obamacare. Uh, and and I think what the problems are, I think the the rollout was a little bit confusing. And I think with any law of that size, you know, thousands of pages, um, and the complexity of healthcare reform in its entirety, I think obviously there are going to be some problems uh, that arise from the the implementation and the and the rollout. Um, and I think Obama has acknowledged that. I and think the, he definitely the web, has and the website that. was it was not working. Well. No, it, it wasn't. And, it and, wasn't. And it played into every narrative that the government can't handle a problem like this efficiently which is what the what what which is what I said is a legitimate concern about government getting he- more heavily involved in the healthcare system. Yeah. And so it played into that narrative in a way that I think did confirm or appear to confirm a lot of people's fears. And you can make arguments for for the problems both on the like the the right can make an argument and also somebody like Bernie Sanders can come from the left and say it doesn't go far enough. Right, which they've which, done. Yeah. Which yeah, and that, that's what Bernie's campaign was all about. He wanted to get Universal health care. And that's that's what Hillary was like, wait a second, we're already at 90% coverage, we need to get to 100. We can't just scrap it and start over. So I think it it, it was, and that's Obama, in and of itself, he's, you know, the the, the poor guy, and, you know, obviously he chose to run for president, he chose to be president, poor guy's getting hit from both sides on this. And he just can't find a, find a, you know, the meat and potatoes of it. He got hit from the right and he got hit from the left. And I think it's a pretty safe rule that if you're getting hit from both sides, again, probably not tyranny <laughs> if, if the progressives are furious and the hardcore conservatives are furious it's a good chance it's probably ultimately you must be doing it's, something it's prob- right. well i don't know about right <laughs> but you're probably doing something moderate right which is what this is i mean it's a pretty moderate it's a pretty moderate bill i mean the scope of it and the economic implications of it are complicated and vast but like fill it like ideologically it's a moderate approach to the problem of okay, we have uninsured people. How do we how do we fix it? There is a lot more radical things that people on the left would have liked to see happen than right than just more detailed regulatory framework right. for insurance companies. But as far as the as far as the right the GOP plan goes, uh, you know, it, it's. It's patients like this is from GOP.gov, right? Mm-hmm. I did a little research, went on GOP.gov, which doesn't happen a lot, but you know, I have to visit that <laughs> website every once in a while. Um, basically, patient-centered healthcare. Uh, you get to choose your doctor. You know, nothing gets in between you and your doctor besides that insurance company, that mm-hmm. pesky insurance company. 
uh, and you know drive drive costs down, and that's and they believe in like that free market aspect, and that's what their ultimate goal is. That's what Paul Ryan has been saying for a long time since he became speaker, and even when he was chairman of the budget committee, um, he's been talking about this a lot, um, and that was the cornerstone of it. It's 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 liberty, it's freedom, it's you know you get to choose who your doctor is, and that's what the GOP plan is, but they're goal right now is to repeal it right repeal it and replace it that's like the been the mantra of gop politics mm-hmm. since 2010 right and and i think that's or since the, the, the day after the, the law was signed in or the bill was signed into law mm-hmm. that was their mantra repeal replace but what are they going to replace it with that is still unclear because i think that there's a split in the republican party as well because you have the paul ryan's of the world and then you have the trump the Trump, the president-elect, who is is not a member of either party. Believe me, he's not. Mm-hmm. And I just sounded like Trump there for a second, but he's 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 truly not. And and I think that's where the that's where that problem comes in, where you know we just don't know what they're going to replace it with, or if they're going to replace it at all. Um, and I think that's just politically that's that's an interesting point to go over as well. So overall, GOP, uh, the Republican plan to repeal it. Um, they want to repeal it uh, and basically. Institute this kind of delay where it gives Congress a time a, a time frame to come up with a a replacement bill. Um, a lot of Congress people have been very vague about what they want that repeal to look or what they want that replacement to look like. There hasn't really been a, a discussion of costs of what that's going to entail, and Paul Ryan has been kind of vague on that, and Trump himself has been vague on that. Um, in, in interviews since he's been elected president, he's been okay. I want to keep this portion. I want to keep that portion. But we're going to repeal it and replace it. But it's like that, just that he's kind of continuing his campaign rhetoric into being president-elect. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a problem because it's a little bit more nuanced from when you're on the campaign trail to when you're in the office and making decisions. So as far as the GOP plan, um, this is from a uh, this is from Chris Hansen, who is uh, from the American Cancer Society's uh, Cancer Action Network. And he basically said, and I'm quoting, replacement healthcare legislation that accompanies repeal needs to provide recognized patient protections that currently exist. So that was one point that kind of stood out to me as far as when you talk about a repeal and a replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it would it would hurt if you just do a, a straight repeal and not have one, not have a replacement right there ready for mm-hmm. you to come in and say, okay, this is what we want. Because then you're then you're talking about that 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 chunk of time. I don't know how long that would be maybe a year or two years so Congress can kind of get their feet around this. And and that's 20 million people, maybe 22 million people, depending on the numbers, you know, yeah. round up to 22, of people that have health insurance under the, under the current law, they'll lose it. And I think that's a big political gamble as well, don't you think? That's why they're, that's where the repeal and delay, knowing that they're about to take over every branch, or, you know, they're... they're there are people looking at repealing and delaying, which means that they're going to repeal it, but the effects of that repealment will not take place for right. a very long time. And and in that time, they can orchestrate a plan to replace it. Right. right. And there's some sense... I mean, there's a way to read that that I get, but it it's... They've had a long time to know what they want to replace it with. I mean, it's been repealed in the House and then not gotten past the Senate or, or vetoed by Obama. It was like hundreds of times, like, right? I think it's like forty. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, the, the dozens of times that they've they've uh, they've tried to repeal it, and and part of, the, part of the problem is, like you said, it's it's complicated. It's kind of, it's it's not an easy process, and you know whether you think Obamacare as a whole has problems, 
there are undeniably millions of people who have benefited. I mean, there are millions of people who have insurance where they otherwise didn't and are glad that they do. And ripping that insurance away from millions of people, even if it is in service of a greater good, is not going to be politically very popular. So you think that thinking is almost you delay it to a point where the the negative effects of repealment don't hit before, frankly, the next election cycle, and you still have this ability to go, what we're going to replace it with is so great, don't worry, as opposed to running the next election cycle on the fallout from having repealed it and having to kind of apologize for that, for lack of a better kind of phrase. Right, and going more into the str- the strategy behind it, if you look at two years, the midterm elections, yeah. and say Trump repeals it in that first 100 days or whatever it is, and he signs a bill that repeals it, that's that's a political talking point right there. That's, see, we told you. Right. We, I repealed it, and then they can run on that in two years, and then obviously if this delay goes through, right. then that can help them again in the well, next they, two, they two can, to Well, they years. can have the political win without the fallout. Right, because, exactly. You know, because the alternative is having 20 million angry, uninsured people going into the midterms where like, you just, you guys, I mean, it was a pretty close election across the board. Right. And as we talked about in our, our first, or, you know, our first two episodes, it was a res- resounding victory in terms of getting every branch of government and, and Trump winning, but, but th- this was not a, a mandate in that no. Republicans are winning by 90% across the board. Right. So you piss off that many people, things might not go your way. So I think in my in my perception, that is the, the mindset behind repeal and delay. But yeah, so it's very vague what they're going to replace it with. It's yeah. not, it's, it's and, and you know, there are a lot of problems. That, I, mean, there, I mean, it's, Young people haven't signed up to the extent that they that they should. Uh, have had the people that have signed up have you know it's it's been poor people and poor people are sicker and it's in, this influx of, of of people that are statistically not making <laughs> don't have don't have as good health suddenly have to be paid for by the insurance company where there hasn't been quite like a, an equivalent bump in in healthy people you know the kind of imbalance you were talking about earlier right. I read it. it was a good Washington Post story by Henry Aaron from um, from August talking about the how insurers were dropping off, dropping out of the federal marketplaces that we talked about or created for right. for people with the tax credits or even without them, to, but for people without insurance to go in and buy on these federal marketplaces state by state. And you know, uh, United Health Group and Aetna um, both backed out earlier this year. And said that they were no longer going to participate in these exchanges, and it was talking about the reasons why, why they do that. And um, it listed a couple bullet points here that I thought were good. It said the price insurers charge non-exchange customers for a given plan has to be the same as what they charge Obamacare customers. So again, they have to cover these people the same, even though these are people that are coming in that are statistically less healthy, have less money. Right. Um, the vast majority of exchange customers nationwide qualify for the program's tax credits and cost-sharing subsidies because their incomes are below four times the poverty threshold, $97,000 for a family of four this year, and they are not offered affordable coverage through employment or some federal program. To obtain that help, customers must buy insurance through the Obamacare exchanges rather than directly from insurance companies. Those eligible for that assistance tend to be sicker, like we said, Um, and Obamacare bars insurers from keeping more than 20% 20% of premium income from insurance sales in the individual market to cover marketing costs, administration, and profit. So they don't get to make as much money off of off of people. They, they're, it's and and you know that's I, I can see free marketers with having a problem with that. Right. 
uh, telling you how much what, what you can do with your profit there. Um, and some insurers face heightened financial risk because an unusually large proportion of Obamacare Exchange customers are new customers. In the old days, insurers could question new customers and charge very high premiums to those with um, basically pre-existing conditions or other like high healthcare cost risks. Uh, that's not a true. So you know, it's it's just you're forcing insurance companies to to take on these riskier, more expensive customers, and for a lot of reasons, one, a lot of states haven't particip haven't just have not set up these exchanges. They've chosen not to participate. There's yeah. a lot of people. There's been a lot of a lot of journalism about. The New York Times just did a piece about it. They call it dead zones. These areas where basically Obamacare never went into effect because the state didn't set up these exchanges, and so that's less less net net less customers to kind of balance things out. Right. Um, young people haven't signed up quite as much as they would have wanted to. Part of that reason, like I'm not sick today, yeah. you know, and that's that's honestly, and I and I yeah. fault myself for that as well for being yeah. being a young person in that sense. It's like, oh, I don't really need it, right, right, because I'm young. You don't I'm think healthy. you need it till you need it, right? Exactly, and I think that's also part of, part of that, which is interesting. And. And then we, uh, the there's been an exacerbation in health problems, and a lot. Of, you, know, you look at the opioid epidemic and lots of things like that. I mean, there's there's been you know obesity. We continue to talk about there's there's been we're we're sicker than estimates, than like congressional budget office estimates when they were putting this when they were passing this bill, thought we were going to be. So there's a lot of reasons and a lot of more complicated reasons that I'm not qualified to go into. But there's there's right. legitimate problems. But I think some of the reason for the vagueness. And by the way, there's also I read you know read you can read plenty. I was pulling up, I was reading a Salon article, Salon.com article before we came in about how much insurers have have still made and the record profits they've made because at the end of the day, it is new customers, they're riskier customers where the profit margin isn't as high. But insurance companies have not suffered. Right. If anybody suffered, you can make this argument that employers, because of the employer mandate, have had to. But, you know, had to had to that their costs are higher because they have to pay for insurance. You know, and those are like legitimate, yeah, problems that 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 a political campaign is speaking as in, speaking in general terms of looking at political campaigns. That is something that you can run on, and that's something you can win on. Um, and I think that happened. That that is exactly what happened in two thousand and ten. Yeah, that's how Republicans took back the House, and that's how we kind of have this Trump effect, where it's like you can run and win on these. And these like little problems that you can take out of this law and make them into these huge problems, and and win, and you can, and politically, it's really really innovative. It's, it, mm -hmm. I mean, not maybe not innovative, but like it's it's smart, it's tactical, and it works. Yeah, I want to I want to throw this out there because all right, so there are these problems. This is this is uh, the just the text of the 1993 bill from. Uh, Rhode Island Senator John Chafee, um, that was the kind of counter-proposed bill to what Hillary Clinton and the Clinton administration was pushing, which was something more akin to universal health care. Right. When that was happening in a lot of countries, as we now, as we know, in, in you know, Europe and around the world, as Sir Bernie Sanders is fond of saying, we're the only major economic yeah. power that doesn't guarantee health care, um, which is true. But these are some excerpts from that bill. Uh, provides access to health insurance coverage under a qualified health plan for every citizen and lawful permanent resident of the United States. Establishes a program under which persons with low incomes and who are not eligible for Medicaid, which was expanded under Obamacare, will receive vouchers to buy insurance through purchasing groups. 
which sounds a lot like the tax credits that people are given under Obamacare to, to go into these exchanges, requires each employer to make available either directly through a purchasing group or otherwise enrollment in a qualified health plan to each eligible employee. Provides for the formation of purchasing groups by individuals and small employers. Requires brokers or insurers to provide specified information. Requires each citizen or lawful permanent resident to be covered under a qualified health plan or equivalent health care program by January 1st, 2005, which was a hell of a long way away when this was proposed, but provides, you know, an ex other than exceptions for religious reasons if you rely on healing using spiritual means through prayer alone. And point is, that sounds a lot like Obamacare. And that is where the Republicans were in 1993 was this individual mandate which is we don't we're not comfortable with universal health care and the government controlling all of health care we'd rather be a marketplace dictated thing but we understand the the need for people to have health care and the crisis here and so we're going to do it through this individual mandate and have people still have people buy insurance basically but we're going to try to make it more affordable we're going to try to put more regulations on it and the individual mandate was opposed for Demo by democrats for a long time because they wanted universal health care over the years that kind of turned around especially when Mitt Romney kind of created this bipartisan support in 2006 Six. yeah that was where they basically passed a version of uh, what is Obamacare what is this 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 republican bill from 93 this individual mandate-based reform in Massachusetts, and Democrats kind of saw the bipartisan support that he was able to build there, and they thought, well, we're going to go ahead with this plan, and they kind of got on board with it. Um, Mitt Romney served, just for just a, a brief, Mitt Romney was governor, one-term governor of uh, Massachusetts. Right, right, before, um, before he was a presidential candidate. Yes, and that was... Centered his campaign on repealing right. Obamacare, which was so similar to what he had passed. And that, that in essence, you can argue that he went he went to the right during the primary, and then kind of was like, oh wait a second, you know. And there's that argument again from Republicans where, and I brought this up earlier before we came in. It was, uh, it, the argument is, is that yes, Romney's argument was was that it worked in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. but I'm not saying that it it, it might not be able right. to work in right. North Dakota, in 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 Washington State, and, and you know what I mean. So I think that is an argument that 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 Mitt Romney made. You can debate whether that's a good argument or a bad argument. But that was his kind of like, you know, uh, repudiation of people saying, oh, it's Romneycare, it's Obamacare, right. it's the same thing. It's important to note, too, that Obama was against the individual mandate kind of deal while he was, and he was running and then kind of came around to it in office when that became what they thought that they could actually get through. Because of they had that, that sweeping victory in, in 2008 with, you know, getting both, of, right. both houses of Congress. So, and I, I bring this all up to just say that there are legitimate problems. There are major problems. With Obamacare. Right. But that's because there are major problems in the healthcare system, and it's a complicated problem that's going to have complicated fixes. And I think it's necessary for Republicans to check the left and go, yeah, we get what you're trying to do, but you can't do this, and you can't do this, and we got to protect small businesses in this way, and we got to protect right. people's economic liberty in this way. That's a healthy process. But I feel like, to some extent, the process of trying to solve the problem at all has been demonized. And like I said in the very beginning, has been kind of roped up into this anti-Obama, so anti-healthcare reform, because that's Obama, and we don't like Obama, so we don't like healthcare reform. When like yeah. We should all be for healthcare reform, and it should just be how we do it. And you know the plans that have come out from the GOP have been very vague, but back in 93 when we had these more detailed plans, 
this is kind of what they wanted to do. Yeah. So I don't th- I don't think there's as much daylight between the sides, other than progressives of the left that, like your Sanders that want something far left of what Obamacare is. But among moderates, I don't think there's as much daylight between them as they think. I mean, it's just a, it's just a matter of coming fit, you know. What, what principles we're all rallying around on each right. side. I mean, you could argue that, that there is a little bit more daylight between the Bernie Sanders camp and Obama than there is between Obama and, and yeah, Republicans. Absolutely. I mean, you can make that case. But, I mean, to put this all in perspective and to kind of bring this to a close, out just these numbers from the World Health Organization, which is, a, you know, a, certainly bipartisan, it's international, it's, it's, it's this, you know, which maybe that's a that's a dirty word. Maybe to certain, if if we if we've got some, if we've earned some Trump support or some some right wing listeners, they might not trust any international body. Not to give them a hard time, but point is, according to the World World Health Organization, we are number one in the world in healthcare expenditures. We spend more money on our healthcare system than 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 any country in the world, but we are ranked thirtieth or thirty first. In healthcare overall, uh, behind Morocco, Saudi Arabia, Cyprus, Colombia, 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greece, which is a mess. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, some Malta is, which is fifth, frankly. Uh, you know, well, meanwhile France, which is, you know. The, the, the demonized universal healthcare state, or, you know, one of one of the major, you know, Canada and and, and the UK are up there too, uh, all of which are above the US, by the way. But France is number one, so it doesn't seem like we're getting a big bang for the buck for our buck. Which is to say that okay, maybe you have some problems with Obamacare, but pre-Obamacare, th- this is basically where we were here, same kind of situation, biggest spender, not nearly one of the best healthcare systems in the world. So, you know, as people have been saying for years, it's a problem that's got to be fixed. So I think that it would just, it would do well of a, we'd be, we would be, we would do well to be a little bit more, have a little bit more perspective about the problem and what the specific problems of Obamacare are and what you really want to see change and why, and not just kind of blindly be anti- anti-left if you will and uh because you know there's a lot of people on the left that aren't happy with obamacare either for totally different reasons so right. you know we're the goal of this podcast i think the goal of a lot of people in the country right now is to try to refine the middle ground between a lot of disparate bubbles and groups and yeah. and i think we picked this issue because we know it's gonna we know this is gonna go down we, there's very few things we know are gonna happen with with the trump administration right now it seems pretty clear that some manner of either changing or repealing Obamacare is. And so something is going to go down. And I think that, you know, it's going to fe- it's going to be a political win for the right. It's going to be a validation to a lot of people who have been anti-Obama and therefore, or anti-Obamacare or the other right. way around, depending. And, you know, okay, but you just understand that you're, you're, you're appealing a, a relatively moderate law Right. That a lot of these same congressional Republicans were in favor of most tenets of uh, less than 20 years ago. And that it doesn't it's not going to solve this problem. And you might you might ease some economic burden on employers across the country. But there's an economic burden to having millions and tens of millions of people uninsured. Yeah. And so 
it's a complicated problem, and you know we would encourage everybody to to kind of do more of their own research on the specifics. We didn't want to get too in the weeds because, like we said, we're not experts, and we don't want to speak authoritatively about things we don't know about. But it's a complicated it's a complicated problem. It's going to be complicated solutions. It's uh, whatever happens probably in the next four years is still not going to be the end of it. And and people, you know, be a little bit more informed, be a little bit more reasonable, try to see the other side, try to find that common ground. And really do some research on, on who is being picked to lead these fights. And I think that's important with uh, with Trump in the in the, his transition period right now, picking all of his cabinet secretaries. And Tom Price, who's uh, a representative in Congress, and he is a big Obamacare critic. Uh, and he will he will most likely be confirmed by the Senate. I don't really see any obstruction from a Republican Senate, but he will uh, probably lead the Health and Human Services Department. And I think that is just something to make a, make note of that he is his major goal, his first thing on the to do list is repeal Obamacare. So just make sure you know who who uh, who's leading the, this fight. Um, and again, like I said before, like we always said in these in these first two episodes of, of this podcast is is you know fight if you really think if you really believe strongly about this go out there mm-hmm. you know volunteer vote that's the type of thing that i think we, we're encouraging every single episode is just make sure you're informed and get involved in uh in everything that is policy really and i think it you know this is the first of many episodes where we're going to dive into policy and healthcare specific is specific yeah we are uh, and so that that we are aisle sides we'd love to hear from you or if you've got uh if you disagree with us if you do agree with us if you've got questions if you've got suggestions for what we should go into in, in future episodes you can get at us at aisle at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter at aisle sides pod aisle sides pod mm-hmm. at, at at aisle sides pod on right. twitter and uh you can you follow our individual twitters or and, and also, you know, listen to our episodes on our website at islesides.simplecast.fm, where you can also find a link to subscribe to us on iTunes, which we would strongly encourage you to do, and maybe even leave us a review if you're feeling up to it. Yeah. But we'd love to hear from you. Any feedback would be great. Like we said, we're just we're just starting this thing out. We're trying to figure out exactly what form we want it to take, and, and we'd appreciate we'd appreciate hearing from you. But other than that, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.